Today on Season 3, Episode 7 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and I welcome Gil Martin of the Sports Daily to the studio. Gil is a writer and historian, but he also has a colorful reason for becoming a Packers fan. Listen in as we learn about his Packers fandom and its roots. We also chat about his thoughts on how the Packers handle pick 30 in the draft, as well as the players he would like to see in the green and gold this season. Hang in there, baby. The draft is coming. And now it's time for Gil Martin on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Pack! Go Running isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Gil Martin on tap. Continuing the guest episodes, we have Gil Martin of the Sports Daily, uh, sports writer and historian. How are you doing today, Gil? Welcome to, to the guest episodes of the Unknown Packers podcast. I'm doing great uh, under the circumstances, and thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And we also have Nibbles in the studio as well. A little bit of a more articulate introduction this time i uh blew it last week with tom grossi so we're off we're off to a good start how you doing nebels i am doing well how are you fellas can't complain can't complain awesome awesome staying home working from home how about you guys yeah hi i'm i'm always home so like i said i was talking to gil a little bit before we started and uh, he's in the same situation seems like and we're, we're not used to having all these people around 24 uh, 7 so it's uh it's exciting times around here <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Different times. and uh, But we've got the same guest structure uh, that we've d- been doing several weeks. If you uh, have a chance, check out a lot of our different guests. Uh, Tom Grassi on tap, Dusty Evely on tap, Jacob Wessendorf on tap, Perry Goldstein on tap. We also have Ken Ingalls and Matt Fralick. And now we have Gil Martin on tap and uh, thrilled to have you in the quote-unquote UPP studio. And I'm curious for our listeners and uh, Nebels and I, like you're a sports writer, you're part of Sports Daily. You're a historian. Tell us a little bit about that and what you do Packers content-wise. Uh, well, I cover the Packers for the Sports Daily. Uh, during the season, I'll put up usually you know six articles uh, a week, and now during the off-season, four or five. Once a week, I do a history article. Right now, I'm doing a series on the greatest Packer to wear each number going one through 99. Cool. Uh, cool. I'm up to 40. As of right now, I do five a week, and okay. hopefully that'll uh, carry us through the off season uh, and, and help you know get us through that time. But it's been a lot of fun researching that and, and putting it together, and uh, you know cover the team pretty much uh, from soup to nuts, so to speak, and uh, <laughs> just you know love doing it and uh, do some writing also for Cheesehead TV, and awesome. uh, you know just. Anything Packers, really. <laughs> I mean, that's very cool. How long have you been uh, um, writing for Sports Daily and uh, covering the Packers? Writing for Sports Daily about uh, this is now my third season writing okay. for them. My first season for Cheesehead TV, very and cool. uh, you know, but I've been following the Packers 
since God knows when, uh, since I was five mm-hmm. and, uh, used to write letters to the editor to pack a report back in the day and everything else. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, uh, you know, been a Packers fan for a long, long time. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, we're, we're excited to have you on and, uh, congratulations, uh, embarking on your new journey with She's Head TV and looking forward to, uh, uh, what you provide with the sports daily. And we will start off with the, the guest questions, the same structure for all our guests. And uh, really curious um, how you became a Packers fan. You talked about, you know, you've been a Packers fan since you were five. What sort of influence uh, made you become a Green Bay Packers fan? I'm assuming family, uh, maybe location, but I'm curious about that. Actually, neither of those. I mean, oh, it, nice. It, it's, it's, you know, I, I grew up in the New York area and I was the... <laughs> only Packers fan in my school as far as I knew and uh, was very rare to see another Packers fan. But when I was a little kid, uh, my favorite color was green. And there was a team called Green Bay that wore green uniforms. So that was going to be my team. And uh, that's awesome. You know, I uh, like I said, I was five years old at the time. I'm going back to the days of, uh, you know, uh, 1972 is when I became a Packer <laughs> fan. And, and I've been with them ever since. I'm loyal to a fault. So uh, that's crazy. And, you know, we have these run of the mill questions, you know, like how you became a Packers fan. And we'll, we'll continue with the two other questions. But. I find the how uh, you became a Packers fan fascinating. It is such a very, you know, I would say just ordinary question, but every guest that we've asked has such a, there's been a diverse perspective, um, diverse background of how people became Packers fans. Surprisingly, a lot of East Coast influence. So Gil, uh, carrying the torch, continuing the tradition of East Coast Packer fans, uh, and that's super cool. And uh, the loyalty of a color turning into a, a team and now you covering for them. Uh, that's an incredible journey. And uh, now I'm really curious. Uh, you know, you gave me, I was born in 1983. Uh, Neebles okay. was born in 1908. So we, uh, <laughs> um, we have very uh, different backgrounds. Uh, who is your favorite present and past Packer? Uh, wow. Uh, my, my first big, the, the first guy that I really was a big fan of was John Brockington. And, oh, nice. uh, Oh, nice. He he was, uh, you know, he was the offense more or less back in the, er, you know, early to mid 70s. And uh, I actually got to interview him years later. And it was a great experience. Uh, you know, I mean, you do interviews. I, I've done so many interviews with, you know, athletes and, and I'm used to that. It's not a big deal anymore in that sense. But the times when you get to interview the guys you grew up rooting for, you become a kid. Part of you becomes a kid again. And and interviewing John Brockington was uh, was a great experience. So he was he was my first big Packers hero. And then there were guys like Fred Carr and uh, Willie Buchanan and and guys like that. As far as right now, big fan of uh, Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, and. Uh, Bakhtiari also, David Bakhtiari. I just, you know, he's so good and, and it's one of those positions that just doesn't get the headlines that a lot of other positions get. I, I've got a question for you then. Uh, last week we were talking about, you know, next year going into 2021 with the Green Bay Packers and their free agent class. And at the top of the list has to be David Bakhtiari. You would think Aaron Jones as well. What do you think the approach would be with David Bakhtiari going on his third contract which was it's typically Green Bay Packers uh general managers Ted Thompson specifically 
does not give out a third contract to a player. Do you think that they will give him a third contract or do they franchise tag him uh, with him being a left tackle? I think they will find a way to, I, I think they will franchise tag him. If I had to guess, it would be they'll sign Clark to an extension sometime after the draft this year. They'll try to do the same with Jones if they can. But I think Clark, the extension, and then they will either try to get Bakhtieri on like a two or three year deal, or if they can't reach an agreement, they will franchise tag him. Interesting. And then with the franchise tag, I mean, now, I mean, bunch of hypotheticals, but do you see that continuing, you know, uh, another year after that? Or, I mean, I don't, do you think they stretch that out? I, I don't know if they could do it cap wise, uh, yeah, depending on how far the cap goes up with hopefully some new television deals. But, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, with Rogers contract being what it is, Clark's going to get a lot of money if they re-sign him. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have room to do two franchise tags on, mm-hmm. on Bakhtieri. It'll be uh, it'll be tight. Well, perfect. I've got uh, another question for you, but I'll hold that off to the second half of uh, Gil Martin on tap of the Sports Daily Heading into now, uh, what's your favorite Packers memory? Uh, maybe it was at Lambeau Field. Maybe it was watching it on TV. Maybe it was just another random circumstance. But I'm curious, uh, what is your favorite Green Bay Packers memory? And you can have uh, memories, too. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a bunch of them. But I, I'm going to go with a very personal memory. 1981, I was 14 years old. Last game of the regular season, Shea Stadium in New York. Packers and Jets. And if the Packers won that game, they were going to make the playoffs for the first time since 1972. And I had my dad had some connections over at Chase Stadium with some of the security people. And I was able to stand right outside the Packers locker room as the team came out. And so I met Lynn Dickey, John Jefferson, James Lofton, Jerry Ellis, Bart Starr, and and just Greg Cook, having all those guys come out, and they were huge. I mean, at that point, I was not, you know, all that tall yet and not all that big. And, you know, I was so nervous, I actually asked Greg Cook for his autograph twice, you know. (laughs) It was like, you know, he came back one way, came back the other way, and I asked him again. But it was it was just an exciting moment. Unfortunately, the game did not go well. We we lost twenty eight to three, and it was about oh, wind chill was probably around minus five, minus ten. But uh, the memory of just meeting everybody and Bart Starr in particular was so nice. Took the time to speak to me, and uh, you know, he, he, here he is going out for a game that's going to determine whether or not his team makes the playoffs. And he took a couple of minutes and made me feel welcome and special and and I always appreciated that. So, you know, to me that personally was just a, a great memory at the right time and and uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. I that's awesome. That's awesome. I I it, it kind of reminds me when I was probably about that age, uh 12 or so, uh I I met Ray Nitschke and I just remember the one thing about him is he was just Enormous. Yeah. I mean, his his hands seemed like they were catcher's mitts shaking his <laughs> hand. And again, he was super nice guy. He took the time to talk to me and sign some things. But it's just amazing how big these guys look when you're, 
you know, when you're a kid, it's just they're they're giants. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I still have all the autographs that I got from those oh, guys. Cool. So, uh, you know, uh, the only one that I, I misplaced is David Whitehurst. I don't know what, what happened to it, but it, it it is gone. But the rest oh, of no, them. No. But I've got the all the rest of them. Mike Douglas, Jan Stenerud, Lynn Dickey, all of those. Bart Starr. Uh, Very cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you did you always know that you wanted to, you know, write and, you know, talk history and cover the Green Bay Packers? When was that like when did that light bulb kind of go off or or that spark? That that light bulb went off pretty early, although it wasn't a direct route. I mean, I I was trying to write football books from the time I was like eight, you know, I mean, mean, they were very, you know, I couldn't get them published. They weren't very good, but I was thinking along those lines, you know? So, so yeah, uh, it's something that I've always been interested in and always wanted to do and, uh, glad I've been able to, to do it. It's, uh, you know, they say, if you, if you love what you do, you know, you never work another day in your life. I don't know if that's true, but it certainly is a lot more fun. Yeah. I, I love that. And uh, so did, what was the journey then for you covering? Uh, what route did you take? Um, I mean, now you look at a different era when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you know, same with me. Like I grew up where Packers players came out of a, you know, like a gym door. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to see all these Packers players, coaches interact in, in the parking lot. Also more journalists uh, covered, you know, going the college route, the networking route. Now you're looking at it where we don't really interact with players that much, but we interact more with them on social media. You have more of a social media presence where people have like a passion project where it ends up turning into a profession for them. I'm curious where that journey was for you. I mean, it was just a gradual thing, you know, and, and I realized I had the opportunity and I, and I jumped at it kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I started off writing for free and eventually built up a portfolio, got, you know, hopefully got good at it. And uh, (laughs) here I am. So very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving us a little snapshot into your background, how you became a Packers fan, your favorite uh, present and past Packers, and then also your favorite memory. Uh, I love what you shared. uh, Shea Stadium, too. Uh, I would have never pictured that and uh for you being a packers fan growing up in new york as well what what a cool memory we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with the second half we're gonna talk about the nfl draft with gil martin of sports daily we'll be right back go pack go this episode is brought to you by sonic transformation here at sonic transformation we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation we want to help you build that foundation Whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. And we are back for the second half of Gil Martin on tap 
get a little snapshot of uh, how he became a Packers fan, who his favorite Packers players are, his favorite memories. And now we're going to talk about something current. We are less than a couple weeks away from the NFL draft. It is going virtual. It is zooming. And (laughs) I I could not be more excited. It's going to be the first sports that we've had in, in a month. At this time, it'll be about six weeks. But with that... The Green Bay Packers embark with Brian Gutekunst entering his third year as the general manager, his third draft. Gil, what are your thoughts on the positional needs? Gutekunst has done a really great job, I think, of hitting on players. Um, he's gotten some some playmakers like Jair Alexander. You look at this past year with uh, Rashawn Gary, I believe, is going to continue to grow and evolve. But you also saw Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins. We'll see Jay Sternberger this year as well. I'm curious, with his third draft, what are some positional groupings that you're looking at that Gutekunst has to attack? And do you feel that overall he's done a good job when it comes to the draft? I think he has done a good job and I like the way he approaches things. You know, you talked about positional needs and he tends to, you know, when he identifies a big need, he tends to hit it and hit it hard. And usually between free agency and the draft, he'll bring in more than one player at whatever position it is that he feels is is the team's big need. I, I look at this year's draft, I think you got needs at wide receiver, you got needs at offensive tackle, inside linebacker, and defensive line. Those would be my big four. There are other areas that certainly need to be upgraded and addressed. Certainly, I think cornerback, depending on what happens with King and whether they mm-hmm. sign him past 2020. But those would be the the biggest areas of need in my mind right now. What do you think the approach will be? You know, uh, Nebels and I have talked about where Brian Gutekunst, like I, you know, he likes high uh, RAS guys, RAS uh, RAS guys that, you know, in those that that nine area uh, in, in a variety of different positions. But he's is unpredictable. He's trading back. He's trading up, and mm-hmm. so this third year is exciting because I think this will be a nice sort of portfolio for Brian Gutekunst where we can see is oh, does he have a trend? I'm curious, uh, when you say attack, would that be like, could you see the Packers going wide receiver back-to-back first, second round? I could, but I, I think I think they'll add two receivers in this draft, but I don't necessarily know that they'll do it first and second round. Mm-hmm. I, I figure you'll get one receiver in the first two days of the draft and in an, at least one on day three. Gotcha. That, that would be my guess I think maybe second round and maybe fourth or fifth round if I had to if I had to predict all right and that ties into our second question with pick 30 you are on the clock or if the draft is started if your general manager Brian Gutekunst do you see yourself trading up do you see yourself trading down do you see yourself staying put at pick 30 and if so what would you do in that situation? If I had to guess, I think he's going to trade down mm-hmm. to get maybe an extra second or third round pick and or maybe a first rounder in 2021. And I, I think he'll look at the board when we get close to 30 and say, all right, there's still six or seven players here who I think are about equal. None of the guys I really think are worth trading up for are still on the board and he'll move from let's say 30 to 34 35 something in that range and and add a few extra picks along the way 
Yeah, Indianapolis seems like that sweet spot at 34, moving up, possibly getting a quarterback, depending on how the draft falls. I definitely am in, in alignment with you, with your thinking, too, with trading back. Nebels, I'm curious. Has it changed? What are you doing in this situation? Yeah, I, I, I'm still you know in the mindset that uh, I think he does probably cha- uh, trade back. Just, you know, the players that are going to be available at 30, you know, for the value. As I said there could be a quarterback available, like you're mentioning, you know, for a quarterback needy team that would want to, you know, trade a couple picks to move up. Uh, I think the receiver class, if that's going to be their first pick, I think it's so deep that they can afford to drop back a couple of slots and, and pick up some extra draft capital. So as of right now, yeah, I, I don't see them staying put unless one of the the big name guys, you know, like the the is unexpectedly still there. But I think they have their 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 uh, their eyes set on some guys that could fall a little bit further back into the early part of the second round and and make it worthwhile for them to to trade back and pick up some extra capital. So I think he moves. And if he stays at pick thirty, Gill, uh, what do you think the Packers do right now? If it's the if you're on the clock, <laughs> I, I think they go offensive line first, looking to get a, an offensive tackle. You know, I, I think Wagner is more or less a stopgap kind of a guy. He's signed to a two-year deal. They would want him to start for one, maybe two years if he stays healthy and then groom his eventual successor. Mm-hmm. And then with Bakhtieri also, you know, his contract being up and him getting up in years, they're going to need offensive tackles. I think the other thing is you got to look at Aaron Rodgers getting up there in years. His mobility is not going to be what it used to be. And you you want to keep him upright and healthy as long as possible so he could play at a high level as long as possible. So I, I think that plus the fact that wide receiver is so deep in this draft, you go offensive tackle first and then wide receiver after that, I think. Do you have a certain offensive tackle in mind? There's two that I'm looking at who I think might be available either 30 or 34 or something around there. Isaiah Wilson, to me, would be one really good prospect. And then if he's still on the board, Tristan Wirfs, I think, could also be uh, a good addition for the Packers at tackle. I would lose my mind if Tristan Wirfs. I know. I was just to say, if he, <laughs> do you think if, if Wirfs is available, you know, let's say at pick 25 or somewhere within, you know, five to seven picks, do you think Goody would would uh, would bite and try to trade up to pick him? Or do you think he does not move up in any circumstance? I, I think that there it is possible he could move up if the right player is still there at 25. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the one thing we've seen about in fact, we've seen Goody in one draft trade back and trade up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, when he sees what he wants, he figures out a way to get it. And that's one of the things I like about about Goot. So to me, yeah, I could see him trading up to get the right player if they're still on the board at 25 or, or 22 or 26, whatever. But uh, it's sure. got to be the right guy. For sure. I like the Isaiah Wilson uh, mention too, because he's the other, correct me if I'm wrong, the, uh, he's another Georgia Bulldog yeah. offensive mm-hmm. lineman. Andrew Thomas is the other one, correct? That's getting up there in the top 12. Yep. So with Isaiah Wilson, do you see, that's probably the scenario where you could see him at 30? Yeah, I could see him at 30 or maybe possibly slipping to early in the second round, 33, 34, something like that. But yeah, if we stay at 30 or or trade back just a few spots, I'm hoping that Wilson would still be on the board. Hey, kid. 
And yeah, with, I mean, you think about Brian Balaga and how he fell in the pack. I mean, granted, the Packers were drafting a little bit earlier. I believe they were like 17 or 18 at that time in, in 2010. So I would love a scenario where you have an offensive tackle that slides, especially this class too, where um, the tackle position isn't that deep, but the, but the ones at the top, man, they're fast. And I want to say it was the fastest combine for offensive linemen in history for that positional group this past February as well, where you had a bunch of uh, linemen running sub fives, which is crazy because uh, I, I don't know if we were thinking about doing like a podcaster's 40 and what all because <laughs> Pete Bukowski, this is the second time that we've mentioned him in back to back weeks. The other one we won't mention, but <laughs> he uh, posted his own combine like 40 dash and got the idea of like having a bunch of different writers and podcasters in their homes or in their backyards doing some sort of time 40. But anyway, I digress and wrapping up the third question for Gil Martin on tap. I I'm curious, is there a specific player regardless of the circumstances that you is the apple of your eye? (laughs) The apple of my eye. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think more along the realistic lines of who the Packers might end up with. That's where I've sort of spent most of my time. So, I, I mean, I would like to see Isaiah Wilson, really. That would be, uh, to me, that that would be a great first pick, whether it's first round or second round for the Packers this year. And can you give me, a? I mean, obviously the the need at offensive tackle, but what does Isaiah Wilson do that catches your eye? The size, first of all, I mean, you know, six six seven and and 335 big guy moves well and i think you know he's the kind of guy you could start him at right tackle for a year or two and then eventually move him to left tackle if you need to and i i just think he's got the tools to be the next brian bulaga kind of a thing where he's there for 10 years i love that and it, it seems i mean i've got full trust in gutekunst as well i mean what he did with elton jenkins last year in the second round was a guy that i wasn't really aware of and then i felt A little relieved as well, where you look around um, the league and a lot of people were sleeping on Jenkins. And I think if you redo the draft, he'd have to be a top 10 pick, I would think. But maybe that's just my my bias towards the Green Bay Packers. And but want to thank you, Gil, for for coming on the Unknown Packers podcast for Gil Martin on tap and talking about your background as a Packers fan, talking about the NFL draft. Cannot wait for the NFL draft. And we've got one last question. The pop quiz question, the moment you've been waiting for, Gil. (laughs) So if there's a, uh, regardless of um, money or anything of that nature, is there one city or area, um, region, what have you, that you would move to and start a new life? Not not to say that you would have to like escape and start a new life, but (laughs) if there's a city, regardless of the circumstance that you could, that either you've been to, that you've fallen in love, that you would say, hey, I would live here, or if there's a, a dream scenario of a city that maybe you've never been to that you would go to and live there. Wow, that, that is a, a very open-ended, tough question to answer <laughs> on the spot. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're but, welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, just, I mean, there, there are, I, I, I would go with, there's a couple I, I would think about. I could easily, I would love to live in Jerusalem, I just think it's beautiful. I've been there. It's it's a remarkable place. I could I could see that. Part of me could see myself moving to Green Bay just because it's just amazing, and I would love to be able to go to spend a lot of time there, even if it is really cold in the winter. 
Uh, <laughs> and then I go the opposite way and say, well, San Diego has such great weather, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, uh, all right. Those are my three that I off the top of my head I could think of. I love it. Jerusalem, Green Bay, San Diego and Nebels. Is there is there yes. a city that you would uh, relocate to? Oh, I, San Diego is awful appealing. I actually have family out in Southern California, so we we do get out there semi frequently. And every time I go out there, I don't want to come back. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm Midwest born and raised, so I think the only thing I would miss about living here is the the, the having four actual seasons. But I'm an I'm an ocean guy. I'm a palm tree guy. I could definitely see myself, you know, camping out on a beach somewhere. So. Uh, I I would go. Uh, San Diego sounds pretty darn nice. I think I would go there. I mean, I I haven't been out to Hawaii ever, so I'd like to check that out. But like I said, yep, San Diego sounds mighty nice right about now. Well, there you have it. You have Gill and Nebels out in San Diego. That's right. Going to Green Bay, talking Packers. Well, thank you so much, Gill, for being a part of the podcast. Before we wrap up, where can all of our listeners find you? across the internet? Uh, well, uh, certainly at the Sports Daily and then a couple of uh, articles a week for Cheesehead TV. I'm on Twitter at Gil Packers and uh, I have a website, gilmartinauthor.com that has uh, all my articles up there and and um, some podcasts that I do and, and what have you. That's awesome. Well, we're looking forward to uh, following you a little bit more in depth as we lead into uh, the NFL draft as well as uh, the upcoming season for the Green Bay Packers. Once again, Thank you so much, Gil, for coming on the Unknown Packers podcast. Any last words, Nebels? No, yeah, thanks a lot, Gil. Um, I, I liked your story about becoming a Packers fan. You know, we've had a you know, a variety of different reasonings, and yours yours is probably the most innocent one of the bunch. So I really, you know, I do really appreciate that, and I'm glad that you stuck with it. You know, through for for life. So that that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Some tough times early on being a Packers fan right? in the '70s and '80s, but yeah, oh for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was nine when I got to see Favre, so it was. I, I experienced a little bit of Mikowski, but right. uh, um, got to see Favre. And then there you have it. You have back-to-back uh, Favre and Rogers. But yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much, Gil. I uh, hope you're, uh, you're, you're well and healthy, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Go Pack Go. All right. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks. Abs- thanks, Gil. Absolutely. Well, I'm Bryce Christensen. And I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.